Welcome to Crosspoint. 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 An interactive program featuring ministers and leaders of the Christian community addressing the issues that are challenging the church today. Here's your host, Mark Taylor. Wars are no longer just a rumor. Have we now, as this generation moved forward, stepping into the great final conflicts of the Middle East that the Bible speaks of? Welcome to Crosspoint. I'm Mark Taylor. My guest is Colonel Robert McGinnis, an expert on the Middle East and how it applies as a Christian with Israel. With us today here, we have uh, Robert McGinnis, a retired colonel from the military, and we've talked to uh, uh, Colonel McGinnis before different times here on Cross Point. But with the things happening in the Middle East, and I know, the Colonel, you've been somewhat you know, uh, watching everything that's been going on. You've got personal experience from that area and, and uh, with military and everything. And also, basically, as a Christian, uh, you know, how, how do we view what is going on uh, in our world? Um, you know, this, uh, I guess it kind of took everybody by surprise, didn't it, except for Hamas? Well, clearly Hamas had been planning this for years, Mark, uh, you know, to break down the barriers that separate Gaza from southern Israel um, was something that uh, took considerable planning and thought. Uh, They also had sufficient arms. Uh, They went in on the 7th of October with the intent of capturing not only personnel, but uh, local towns and kibbutz and the like. And so they had a very clear plan. Now the question, of course, is whether or not IRGC, Islamic Republic, Revolutionary Guard Corps, or the Quds Force of Iran's Ayatollah, if they were directly involved, and it would appear, based upon a number of reports they were, uh, that they had intended to uh, use this as a, you know, arguably a stepping point, a step in the direction of the ultimate uh, destruction of Israel. Keep in mind, that uh, Hamas's ideology calls for jihad, martyrdom, and of course uh, the well-established uh, statement that you know Palestine includes everything from the Jordan River to the uh, Mediterranean Sea, which basically means the annihilation of all uh, Jews in that area and the reestablishment of what Hamas would argue is the Palestinian state. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake here. Clearly, the Israelis are now making major inroads uh, against Hamas in Gaza. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot going on more regionally as well as pressure from the United States. I know you've got different ways of looking at this. And, of course, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, American targets being hit. Uh, you know, since this time, you know, they, they're attacking our bases and places like that. Why, why would they do that and uh, not just keep this focused on Israel? Why are they wanting to make this and spread it out a little bit? Well, certainly for the Islamic Republic of Iran, their ambitions since the 1979 uh, revolution that deposed the former Shah uh, has been not just taking over that country, but establishing a caliphate and putting uh, Iranians, the Persians, in charge of the broader global uh, Islamic uh, state uh, world, if you would. 
And of course, uh, subsequently, they've made it clear as to who they're against. Uh, they've labeled the United States as the great Satan, and of course, the elimination of Israel is a step toward the elimination of the great Satan. So it's it's something much broader than uh, just a conflict between you know, a couple million Palestinians uh, and the Israeli government. It, it really beckons to something, you know, obviously, I would argue biblically, as to what might the outcome be of this ongoing, you know, you know war. I would argue, if you go back and to Numbers, Deuteronomy, and the Bible, uh, you'll see where you know, Moses and eventually Joshua, when they went into the Promised Land after a delay of 40 years, uh, that the call by Joshua, beginning in the, the occupation or the destruction of Jericho, was to utterly destroy all those people. And why was that? Well, they knew in fact, that those people would lead the Jewish nation into idolatry. And, of course, uh, they also were identified as people that had um, giants among them. And it depends upon your interpretation of Genesis 6, verse 4, uh, and certainly Numbers 13, 33, and a few other scriptures as to, you know, what is the uh, gene- genealogy of those giants. Some people argue it's Nephilim. Uh, others argue uh, that it's you know, an, an abnormality among uh, the people that were in what arguably today is the old uh, Philistine camp called Gaza. So th- there's a lot that's in here, uh, and I think a lot does paint a picture, uh, certainly indicators of the, the prophetic end times and what we might uh, anticipate that being like. Well, now with you saying that, you know, there's been a lot of speculation and thoughts and talks along the line of this be the beginning of what Ezekiel 37, 38, 39 in that area is talking about uh, happening. Um, we see the players it's just, uh, all being involved here. And uh, so is that, are we seeing this maybe unfold before us? Well, as the Lord you know, makes clear uh, only the Father knows, you know, the ultimate uh, in time. Uh, what we do see, and, you know, I agree with you, is uh, we see unrest with Ukraine and Russia going at one another's throats and the possibility uh, that will explode into something much larger. We've seen the the distancing of the NATO ally Turkey uh, from its, you know, former position with uh, much of the West. We've seen, of course, the the rise of the Ayatollah and the Persians. Uh, and, of course, in the Far East, and I argue in, in one of my books, Kings of the East, that uh, the only place in the world where they've ever had an army that compared with what we see in Revelation 9 is in China. During the 50s, you saw a Chinese a militia with an active force that was in excess of a hundred million, and, and there's an article that I cite in that particular book that you know suggested at one point over under Mao Zedong in 1957 that uh, the militia and the armed forces of the communist 
regime approached 200 million. And of course, you see that number, which seems to be astronomical, uh, as being uh, a part of an end-time scenario. I don't know. I just see the instability across the world. I see that our president is going to meet with President Xi of China uh, in mid-November. I see clearly that you know, the Russians are not backing down, uh, even though they are hurting as a result of NATO's you know, supply to Ukrainians. And I see you know, the buildup in the Mideast and the targeting of American forces throughout that region uh, by the proxies of the Iranian Ayatollah. So uh, there's a lot that's going on, and it certainly spells out great instability. Now, whether or not uh, this is the beginning of the end. I don't know. Uh, I just know what it says in the scriptures. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something, too. You talked about the worldwide effect of these things. We are seeing something I haven't seen. I mean, there was a protest during the Vietnam War. Uh, we've seen that. But we've never seen um, people taking to the streets in big numbers waving flags for the side that actually is totally wrong in the whole process with the Palestinians, and yet becoming this is becoming more and more of a separating point of being some groups and peoples of, as much as causing a United States congressman to be censored. Uh, you know, why is this becoming such a greater deal? This is bigger than anything I've seen happening during the Vietnam War. Yeah, I think it's uh, part and parcel of a number of factors. Certainly, we arguably are going through a cultural revolution, which has many ingredients, like what we saw in China during that uh, cultural revolution of 1966-76, which they you know, targeted uh, the major institutions and, of course, the leadership. And they tried to change the history. They tried to change the culture. Uh, and when you do that, uh, your real target is to revamp an entire society. The Chinese did that. Arguably, the French did that in the 18th century. And even the Russians, to a certain degree, used the mechanisms of the institution of the, uh, Russia uh, when they took over through the you know, Russian Revolution of 1917. So we are seeing in America that you know there are what I call proxies much like you see Hamas as a proxy, Hezbollah, Houthis, and so forth, there are proxies in this country that are using the, the ongoing uh, revolution that is transforming the public space in the United States, and that, which started arguably with you know, decades ago, uh, taking over our education establishment, our media, uh, certainly you know, in, infiltrating our government, and, of course, I would argue that you know, what we've seen on the southern border of the United States, a porous open border, uh, which is inviting to the likes of not only millions of illegals, but also uh, perhaps many, many uh, people that have, uh, other than the best intentions against the United States, it only took 19 people on 9-11 to bring this country to its knees, far more people involved uh, and in, already in sleeper cells in the United States that are sympathetic to Hamas is doing. Now, at the same time, they planted within our educational establishment 
uh, a lot of Marxists there. If you just do the inventory of who are the, many of the mainline university college professors and what are their political leanings, uh, many, unfortunately, are very progressive. Some are clearly Marxists. And, and, and that's important as well because they will be sympathetic to the likes of uh, the Islamists in Tehran, uh, if not uh, you know, indirectly or directly in the payroll. You know, I look at the group Black Lives Matter, which is, of course, well-known as having uh, leadership that was educated as Marxists and that are on the dole um, trying to manipulate uh, you know, the black population during the George Floyd riots of 2020. And I see much the sorts of thing that are manifesting itself in New York and Washington and elsewhere in this country, you know, showing sympathy to the horrendous things that happened in southern Israel on October the 7th. And they could only have done that if they weren't previously uh, planted in the United States, already sympathetic to that cause, encouraged and directed you know, by an ideology that is quite contrary to what the founders of the United States wanted 250 years ago. So there are a host of issues here. Uh, I do believe that uh, uh, we're vulnerable, and uh, unfortunately, uh, I think it's by design, uh, because we have a lot of people that uh, are in this country that never should have come here, but were allowed to come here, not only through an open border, but because we've naively allowed some of these ingrates, these these horrendous you know, ideologues you know, and their sympathy for terrorism to come into the midst of this country, and that's very dangerous for our future. Now, uh, we had talked in the past, uh, a book you'd wrote, uh, Divided We Stand, and uh, before his passing, uh, Thomas Horn put out a book called We Are Legion, uh, in that, you contribute to that on uh, Chapter 5. Uh, you have some of your stuff in there, and you do give a, a founders, you know, a little bit about our history and stuff. And you say they're in there uh, on page 137, you said, I believe modern America is at a tipping point. Our survival as a nation is at risk. Will this country endure the current level of rank division that threatens our civil liberties at every turn? to the very existence of America as a representative republic. So you see that this is a great danger to our nation. There's no question in my mind. You know, I'm appalled that, you know, we are so focused on issues that are very clear in the Bible about life. You know, look at uh, a recent election in the United States across uh, many states where the issue of abortion seemed to dictate uh, party affiliation. Uh, and yet, uh, as I've written in a number of books, the Democratic Party is not the Democratic Party of my grandparents, who were loyal Democrats. Uh, in fact, it, it has become uh, the home base for uh, not only progressives, who uh, are very much uh, anti-life, uh, they're very much promoting an agenda that uh, would be absolutely appalling if our founders were alive today. They don't respect our civil liberties. They don't respect uh, the sacrifice that we've made over the years you know, to keep this country as the shining light on the hill. So uh, I do believe that, as I wrote in Tom's book, 
that we are at a tipping point. It's not just because we have what I characterize as a very bad president because of the open border, uh, the dependence upon government that's promoted, uh, the the advancement of transgenderism in our education establishment, a corrupt uh, federal judiciary or certainly a legal system with Merritt Garland. Uh, the, the list is very long, and, and I point out a lot of that in my book, Divided We Stand. So I, I see all of this coming uh, about. Yeah, we're a resilient country, but th- there's only so much, I would argue, uh, that we can... Uh, withstand. We, we, we've lasted through wars, but this is much different than you know, the things that my grandparents went through in World War II, and that is because the adversary is not only on the outside, but they're also on the inside. We are not unified as a nation, and because we're split, divided deeply along you know, many lines inside this country, and we have a lot of people here that don't love this country as I do, uh, and then the adversaries on the outside, uh, the tension is, is building to the point, I think a breaking point, and therefore I talk about a tipping point. Yeah. Well, folks, stay with us, and we're going to be back with more in just a moment. This is Mark Taylor. If you miss a broadcast of Crosspoint, you can always go to our website at www.kneo.org and click on the programs page. There you can access the current Crosspoint program as well as the last four programs that have been aired. Never miss another Crosspoint program again. Go to www.kneo.org today. I'm Mark Taylor. Thanks for joining us today here on Crosspoint. With me, I have Colonel Robert McGinnis. And uh, Colonel, you've written several books. We've talked throughout the years. You've done a lot of stuff uh, you know, talking on the lines of what we're talking about today, but even the history of our country, how it's affecting our country. If people wanted to find out more about the books you put together and also your ministry, what you do, how would they go about doing that? Well, I have a, a 10 published books of my own, and then others I've written with, uh, you know, I've wrote a number of chapters for some of Tom Horn's books in the past and others. Um, yeah, you know, I, I do a lot of TV, a lot of radio, Mark. I have a Facebook page. That's how people can follow me. I write articles for you know, Fox News and American Thinker and, and other publications. So that that's how I stay out there. Since you're, of course, retired from the military, but are you ever really retired from the military? I mean, this when you see things like this happening and you see soldiers being captured and different things, that, that's that has to touch you in a different way than it would uh, just regular people uh, out there that maybe doesn't have a military background. And you can see things happening, and you kind of know what's going on behind the scenes, even though you might not exactly be there. But I'm sure you still are involved some way in that area. Oh, yes, I'm very much involved. In fact, uh, as a contractor, I've been working with the Pentagon for the last 25 years. So I'm very much in in the mix, even though I'm not in uniform. I spent a quarter of a century in uniform, and now the uh, another quarter of a century working out of the Pentagon uh, on some of the same sorts of issues. So, unlike people that uh, retired and, and left uh, the Washington scene, I'm right in the middle of it, um, which provides me with insights that probably the vast majority of even those that are retired 
won't necessarily have. Yeah. So how do you, when you view what's going on in the Middle East, I mean, we know biblically some of the names relate to the present day uh, nations that are there. And, you know, something that really got my attention was Benjamin Netanyahu uh, saying something here a few weeks ago when this kind of got started. And he was talking about going after Hamas. And he said, you know, he was going to, whatever it takes to get them, he's going to get them. He said, if we have to flatten Damascus. And I just thought, that is a strange thing to say, because we know, I know in the Bible it talks about, you know, if this is the Ezekiel War, it says that Damascus is no more. <laughs> and I know Damascus is a pretty beat up town already. But, you know, it just, to me, these things, when they say this stuff and I hear this stuff, it just really causes me to, you know, because I, I believe Israel looks at things today different than our military looks at things. Yeah, I, I've worked with the Israeli Defense Force and still do to a certain degree. Then um, Yahoo talks about Damascus for one primary reason right now, and it's not a prophetic reason necessarily. It's, it's a pragmatic one, and that at the airport there and north in Aleppo, another major Syrian city that has been devastated by civil war over the last decade, uh, I think of the IRGC and Quds Force because it's through flights from Tehran to Damascus and Aleppo that they maintain the supply lines to Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. And it also explains why, on a regular basis, Israeli F-35s and F-16s uh, make uh, runs across those uh, air, airports to bomb uh, the re- residue of what was dumped off by Iranian transports that go in there uh, to sustain uh, the fight, not only by uh, Assad's people there, in Damascus, but by uh, the Hezbollah. And, and keep in mind also, it's just a few, you know, days ago, uh, the United States uh, used two F-15s to bomb a, a arsenal, a supply warehouse full of munitions that were being used by a variety of Iranian proxies in eastern Syria uh, that was, you know, kind of supply depot or those that were attacking U.S. forces, of which we have about 900 in eastern Syria, guarding a, a number of facilities, but also our personnel in Iraq. So you, you have to think more regionally when you're talking about you know, what I call the ghost war that has been going on between Israel and Iran for many, many years. And we don't hear about the, the strafing runs uh, routine almost uh, from Israel against uh, Iranian targets all over the region. Uh, but it's a, it's a real thing, and it's something we ought to be concerned about and ought to be uh, privy to the fact that uh, Mr. Netanyahu understands that Israel's adversaries uh, are never going to give up. And until, you know, either they acquire what they seek, which according to Hamas ideology, of course, is the total extinction of the nation of Israel. And, and biblically, we know that's not going to happen, but it's, it's not going to be easy to maintain any modicum of peace going forward. 
back in the book there where you made a contribution there and writing in the book Legion, you said, we, and you mentioned this a while ago about spiritual, you said, we must recognize that Satan, his legion of demons, and his human proxies are experts at fostering division and gaining control. So we see this from fleshly side, but really there's a big spiritual side to it. Uh, that's really fueling this, uh, what's going on over there. It's really a spiritual war, uh, just as much as it is a physical war. No, no doubt. You know, yeah, what is it? Almost 300 times in in the Bible you see mentions of uh, various spirits, many of which are angels, doing God's bidding, his messages, and uh, his work with we humans. Uh, but you see Satan and his legion, his army of demons, and, and how they manifest themselves, you know, even throughout the, the New Testament, as Christ confronts them, whether it's, you know, on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, or he confronts Satan, you know, just outside of uh, present-day Jericho, there at the Mount, and he's tempted by uh, Satan, who, you know, promises him the world, but you know, Satan is not going to give up until the very end. Now, when we see the manifestations of what's going on across uh, Israel and the broader Middle East, we have to understand that the enemies of uh, the children of Abraham uh, include, you know, the Islamic world, which, of course, you know, dates back to, what, 720 or so A.D., and many other entities that have really, you know, uh, embraced you know, the father of lies and his agenda. And I would argue that you have a lot of disembodied spirits that uh, have influenced you know, many of these tyrants, whether it be the leadership of uh, Hafmas, who happened to be living in sky rises in Cutter as billionaires, or the Ayatollah in Tehran, or even the royal family in Riyadh, you know, the the war, the the hatred, all of these seem to be incredibly demonic and very real in today's world. I don't see how else you could describe the very evil that we have routinely seen. I. Back in 2015, I wrote a book, Never Submit, which was about the genocide of Christians in the Middle East. And, you know, it's so true then, and it continues to be true today, uh, that the genocide is not only of Christians, obviously it's of Jews, but, you know, it's being inspired, arguably, you know, from my perspective, by uh, the demonic influence and the direct involvement of Satan and his armies uh, amongst uh, the various people groups that have been led astray by the evil that is so present in that part of the world, as well as here as well. Yeah. Well, you know, we've had a, a big slack in people's church attendance and, and people just drawing away from the church and not spending time with God, reading their Bible, praying, anything like that. We've, we've just seen a decline in that. But now when these things happen, especially the Middle East, uh, people really begin to feel that the world's kind of coming undone. And they start having questions. I, I've visited with people and said people's come to them and started asking them a bunch of questions that, you know, they don't really even have the answers for. But 
this maybe is working into God's plan to try to get people's attention and to wake up that something greater is coming. Uh, we don't know when, but uh, even people that don't go to church, they do feel that kind of the whole world's just kind of falling apart. Well, certainly the instability that we see in the world today is is hard to deny. You know, you have to be, uh, you know, cut off from all information, you know, to believe anything other than that instability is leading to more violence, is leading to um, something that, uh, well, biblically, you know, something that is going to, uh, ultimately lead about the, the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I, I can understand, you know, the problems that they have. You know, I, I would argue that, you know, because the church in America has abandoned uh, it, its first love, uh, you know, there was a, a statement years ago, uh, I think a couple of years ago, maybe 20, by David Wells, who was a professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, and he, he wrote in, in a book, uh, God in the Wasteland, he talks about that uh, for today's Christian, and I'll read one, one line here, it is one of the defining marks of our time that God is now weightless. Now what he meant by weightless is not that he's a, just a spirit, but that he is not having an impact on uh, mankind as he did in the past, and because we've abandoned him. Uh, we've abandoned him to our worries about uh, the world and not, you know, as you indicate, Mark, been in his word. And as a result, you know, we really get, you know, I suppose, unnerved. Uh, we see the worst of what is happening, but in reality, you know, he has a plan, and that plan is going to come to fruition whether or not we want to, you know, celebrate and glorify him in our own lives. So you, you put that in perspective, whether it's the ongoing war with Hamas, which is vicious and, and certainly not something pleasant to deal with, or the war in Ukraine, or even with uh, Mr. Biden meeting with President Xi and the likelihood of some sort of cataclysmic situation with regard to Taiwan or more broadly between these two nuclear nations, the United States and China, which is something that uh, they talked about a year ago and I'm likely they'll talk about uh, in their new meeting. Uh, all of these issues are unnerving to a world and especially the United States in the post-pandemic situation that we find today with high inflation with government corruption and the like. So when I talk about in Divided We Stand, yeah, it's true. We are incredibly divided today. Uh, and I would argue in part because we've you know, abandoned our first love as a, a Christian nation that was founded 250 years ago because we were founded on Christian principles. And all you have to do is read the Declaration of Independence from the monarchy of you know, Great Britain and recognize that, you know, our founders had a love for God, and they put him first, and yet uh, we no longer see that in our country. Well, folks, an uh, interesting conversation we got going on today with Colonel Robert McGinnis. Stay with us. We're going to have more in just a moment. 
Sometimes we can get stressed about you life. You might be having a bad day or something, but then it just reminds you, like, God's good. God's just watching out for me. No matter what situation you're in, you can turn on the radio and just be reminded of it anytime. Helping keep your eyes focused on Him. This is 91.7 The Word. Welcome back. This is Cross Point. I'm talking to Colonel Robert McGinnis today. Now, Colonel McGinnis, uh, again, people can come to your Facebook page or do you have a website? But if people want to find out more about your books and, and try to, you know, uh, find out more about what you do and, and, and how how things go there with your ministry, what do they do? Well, they can go to, you know, of course, Amazon or Barnes & Nobles and all sorts of places have my books, Mark. Google my name. There are hundreds of programs and television programs, thousands of radio programs. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I've been doing this for decades. So I'm, I've been around. Uh, they can find me. I want to quote again out of the book there uh, that Tom had wrote, but where you had contributed to there in, in Chapter 5. And you say, an overwhelming Americans, 83% describe the current state of our economy as poor, best not good. One-third, about 35% are dissatisfied with the financial situation. And only about a quarter of them believe that we have any chance to improve the standard of our living. And then down below there on the page, you said, America's current, current polarization is marked by growing subsets of the population that embrace radically dissimilar attitudes, not just in the political parties, but in ideologies, government, and policies. Colonel, how do people, maybe in the Middle East or worldwide, how do they view America right now? Well, they see that we're torn apart. I would argue that you know the people in downtown Tehran are watching the, the pro-Palestinian attacks in this country, and especially the anti-Semitism, and they're saying, oh, we've got America where we want them. They're, they're imploding upon themselves because uh, they're going against uh, what is in their key ally, Israel's best interest. And in fact, I, I wrote an op-ed on that very issue, you know, arguing that, uh, that these proxies, that whether they're official proxies or just ideological proxies that are you know, pumping up this pro-Palestinian mindset in the United States today, uh, are serving the purposes of the Ayatollah in Tehran uh, with the really the overall objective of separating the United States, what they call the great Satan, from the little Satan, which is Israel. And if they can separate us, uh, then what they'll do uh, is that it'll be easier for them to utterly destroy Israel. Keep in mind, you know, the United States, since you know, the uh, agreement between Arafat, Golda Meir, and Sadat. We have been giving them billions, the Israelis as well as the Egyptians, billions of dollars in arms every year. And so their their ability to defend themselves has been greatly tethered to the United States. And of course, recently, since October the 7th, now many, many plane loads and surface ships have delivered other arms and other supplies to the Israelis to sustain operations. Uh, arguably, they couldn't do that without our direct involvement. And so Iran would, you know, would like nothing better than to have us distance ourselves from Israel to, you know, stop sending arms, start, stop, you know, sending support. And I, I think that's, to a certain degree, what the agenda of what's happening on our streets 
and in the international forum uh, against the Jewish population, not only in Israel, but even in this country. And so you have that. And, of course, you have the arguments that the, these ongoing wars that we're supporting you know, through you know, Israel or Ukraine or others, that we're paying a hefty price, you know, and, and which is true. You know, we're pumping uh, tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars you know, into these, these wars. And people are saying, well, what are we getting out of it, given that we have high inflation, uh, the cost of you know, gas and groceries is going through the roof, and yet our government seems to not understand that uh, you know printing more money on top of what they've already overspent is going to be in our best interest. So th- these are all issues of grave concern for most Americans, and the instability is unnerving, and uh, it's it's hard to understand uh, how we can pull out of this uh, short of uh, God's direct intervention. Yeah, exactly. You know, and another thing that's real concerning is we keep giving ammunitions and and weapons to these, you know, Ukraine or, or Israel as well, which would be better for Israel. But we've got to be running out of supplies or running our supplies low down uh, by doing these kind of things. You know, and I keep thinking, scratching my head, thinking that Russia's got their hand in this Israeli deal, too, somewhere, because I know they have a huge naval uh, port there, I believe, in Syria. They have a, a naval port that they've had for years. They have Air Force bases uh, in Syria. They have a lot of forces there. They have um, the Wagner Group as mercenaries. And of course, we've, we've killed hundreds of them over the years. And so, yes, Russia is very, very involved uh, indirectly uh, in in the region. And there are a lot of Russian Jews uh, in Israel today. I've met a number of them in my trips over there. So, yes, uh, that's that's the reality that that we face uh, in an unstable area. Now, as far as the gifting of our arms, what most Americans don't understand is that today is not like it was back in 1938 when FDR basically used federal law to direct the likes of Ford and Chevrolet to revamp their factories to make tanks and airplanes and the like. We don't do that today. We don't have the same authority. And so the arsenal, the the weapons, the ammunition uh, that we have... Uh, is limited in our ability. We, uh, up until recently, were only producing enough to sustain training for the United States forces. And so we are draining you know, our, our arsenals of artillery and javelins and stingers and HIMARS and Patriots missiles and the like, and we're sending them to places like Israel or Iraq or Ukraine uh, and it takes, you know, in some cases years to stand up a production facility, and these sophisticated weapons can take months, if not years, through a series of contractors to build uh, those systems. And so, you know, it, it's not been widely reported, much less understood by the majority of the American people that uh, this administration uh, is 
certainly putting us in jeopardy to a certain degree by emptying our arsenals uh, should we be attacked or threatened, which could happen at any time by the likes of the Russians, the Chinese, and you know, even the North Koreans or the Iranians or their surrogates. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've, I've heard that they found North Korean weapons involved with, uh, with this situation over there, though they uh, found evidence, you know, some of them have come from North Korea as well. So this is, oh, they, there's a, a quite a mess we've got out there. This surely, though, is playing all into God's plan. You know, man's plan gets all flustered and messed up, but God's plan has never changed, and he's right on time with what he's doing, even though we're seeing this in a di- with a different eye. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, we began the interview, I don't know, uh, and nobody knows except the Father, the Creator, when he's going to pull the plug, when he's going to, okay, enough's enough. Um, I don't know, but we've been told, what, Matthew 24 and elsewhere, uh, that there are indicators. And so we look out there and we see wars and rumors of wars. We see pestilence. We see, you know, starvation, uh, one thing or another. And it certainly, uh, from this perspective, seems to be a pretty tough time. Uh, but there have been other times in, in the hundreds of years that we've been recording uh, these types of things and I know that it's it's easy to get discouraged, but somehow, uh, certainly the body of Christ needs to respond uh, as Christ would, and that is to, you know, work with those that are hurting and uh, encourage them to make decisions for their own salvation, because uh, there is a time coming, uh, whether they die uh, before the return of Christ, but there is a time coming, and that all of us have to be accountable for that which we've done or not done. We know there's generals and all these different people that's in charge of moving things around in the area of warfare. But really, the bottom line is Satan's behind all of this. Anything that's got destruction to do with it, murder and killing and raping and all that, we know it has to be demonic forces that are involved as well. So we have to fight this battle not just with our hands, but we've got to fight it with two fronts, with our knees probably even more so than other. Uh, so what would you tell Christians today? How how should they handle what they're seeing in the Middle East? Well, they need to be in prayer, on their knees. They need to be in their Word. God's Word has all the answers. Now, whether or not you understand those answers may have to do with you know, your faith and you know, your understanding of the Scripture, because it's you know, it's written for, it's a love letter written to Christians, and if you are if you don't understand it, uh, you probably need to think about your salvation status. Uh, and so, yes, uh, this is a war. Uh, Satan is real. But God has angels, too, and those angels are his messengers to us in, in these times of great strife and trouble. So we need to understand that we win in the end. You know, Revelation's very clear, uh, but getting there, and when we get there as a human race, I don't know. It's going to happen, but it, it may not be in my lifetime or your lifetime or anyone listening's lifetime, but it's going to happen. Uh, God's, you know, faithful to His Word, and so understand what His Word says, and then be in prayer, and His Holy Spirit will lead you 
to discernment as to what role you ought to play going forward. Yeah. So what can the church be doing? I mean, I've heard that there's some churches that still aren't even really talking about what's going on with Israel. Should a church be pointing this out now? Is this something that should be pointed out by pastors in their churches? I don't see how they can ignore it. These are tenuous times. You know, if you're feeling it economically, you're feeling it uh, through the influencers outside of your home, in the schools, and your papers, you know, on the television, in the community. Yeah, there are indicators all around us uh, as to you know, the direction, which is not comforting, as to where this world seems to be going. So, you know, as I said earlier, you know, God isn't weightless. God you know, has a plan. Uh, his word must mean something to us, must direct our lives if we're believers, uh, and we should not be over-focused on, you know, what the Satan and his demonic armies are doing, but rather what God has in mind. That doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. Uh, it just means we know what the end of the story is. Yeah, no doubt about that. One, one other thing, why was the attack that we've seen such a violent attack uh, you know, this was kind of not normal uh, when what happened, you know, the way they did things, I, unless that's the way they look at normal, I guess. But, you know, it was pretty gruesome of what we've seen of the pictures and the things we've heard that's coming out of that area. Why such depths of that? Well, we've seen this in the past. You know, we saw this uh, with ISIS in Iraq and Syria. You know, just the despicable, the horrendous treatment, you know, Yes, we saw in southern Israel uh, the beheading of children, uh, the raping of women, the desecration of, of so much. Uh, but this is not really new in the history of mankind. We've seen it many, many times. We certainly saw it you know, during World War II. Uh, we've seen it through the history of, of mankind in ways that are just appalling. It, it makes your stomach turn. Uh, but we shouldn't be surprised. That's, that is Satan. That, that's the demonic armies out there. They are seeding the, the hatred, uh, the, the, just the, the inhumane treatment. And we see it in places like uh, Western uh, China in their treatment of Uyghurs. Uh, they rob their body parts to kill them, to sell. Uh, they rape their women. They torture them in unterrible situations. And we see it even in our own country with, uh, with some of the treatment that uh, we've, we've seen on the sidelines. Unfortunately, there's much in the darkness, uh, even in our own country, that uh, is really just terribly appalling uh, as to the inhumanity of man to his fellow man. So I'm not surprised. Um, uh, I it's it's terrible, but it's a reality of what we face. Well, we could continue on, and you know, you kind of just want to say, "Lord, come quickly," <laughs> when this thing keep <laughs> companion. Yeah. But again, tell people how they can just Google your name, and that'll that'll bring up this inf kind of information and about your books and all that. Yeah, Mark, uh, my last name is M A G I N N I S. My uh, Irish forefathers changed their name when they came to this country, so they anglicized it a bit. Uh, so you look up my name, and uh, I've got a bunch of books out there, 10 published 
got another one coming in uh, the spring of this coming year. And then, of course, you know, I, I wrote uh, chapters for Tom Horn and others over the years. I've got a lot of articles by Fox News and other outlets, and certainly a lot of TV out there if you really want to look at me. All right. Well, thank you so much, Colonel, for being with us today here on Crosspoint. Okay, Mark. Thank you for having me. All right, folks. Some good information there today. Colonel McGinnis gave us. Uh, it's so good when you have a person that understands military, understands the Middle East, like what's going on now, but always understanding it from a Christian perspective. Now, why is that? Because he knows what the Bible says, the very book I hold in my hand right now. And because of the Bible, uh, anyone can uh, learn uh, what leads them down the road of life to eternal life. It's a book that's never outdated. The Bible will never be outdated. And it accurately will direct your life every day if you'll follow it. Because it's the most important words you're ever going to read. And you certainly need to be following. Be sure to join us again next time as we again discuss issues that are having an effect on the church. Have a great week and allow God to use you for His purposes so that greater things can be done. Make your life count in God's plans for eternity. I'm Mark Taylor. Crosspoint is a program produced in Studio 101 at KNAO Radio. Not all of the views on Crosspoint reflect those of the management or staff of KNEO. You may contact the Crosspoint program at 10827 Highway 86 East, the Osho, Missouri, 64850, or by email crosspoint at kneo.org. You can hear Crosspoint four times a week, Saturday morning at 1, Saturday afternoon at 2, Saturday evening at 9, and Sunday evening at 7. You can also listen anytime online at kneo.org. Are you walking in everything God has for you? Hi, I'm Pastor Gary Culp, and I'd like to invite you to check out the Exceedingly Abundant Ministries podcast, available from the Sky High Podcast Network. This 30-minute weekly Bible study will give you time to grow spiritually and get to know God and His Word on a deeper level. God has more in store for you than you ever realized. Listen to Exceedingly Abundant Ministries today and learn about how God can do more with your life than you ever imagined. Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri is proud to be sponsoring this portion of broadcasting on KNEO. Owned by Judy and Danny Harper, Harper's Kennel of Stella, Missouri specializes in French Bulldogs. For more information, the phone number is 417-628-3083.